It's 6 p.m. and you are tuned to your community radio station, KVMR-FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Tuesday, June 27th. This is your KVMR Evening News. I'm Kelly Reese. Excessive heat warnings are raining down this week. And as unpleasant as these rising temperatures may be, there's no denying some have it worse than others. Take those who sit in a metal box for eight plus hours a day. Tonight, the California Report speaks to the striking unionized employees at an Amazon delivery service partner. A major concern, no air conditioning in many of the delivery trucks. In early May, Nevada County's Planning Commission voted to not recommend approval of the Idaho-Maryland mine Rise Grass Valley project. But that was far from the final step in a long decision-making process. KVMR's news director, Claudio Mendoza, speaks with Nevada County's public information officer about what's next. All this and more in the next half hour. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Unionized employees at an Amazon delivery service partner in Los Angeles County are striking. They're demanding the retail giant bargain with Teamsters Union Local 396. Rachel Myro has more from KQED's Silicon Valley desk. For more than two years, Heath Lopez delivered packages for battle-tested strategies of Palmdale until Amazon canceled the contract in April. BTS drivers wear Amazon-branded uniforms and drive Amazon-branded vans and trucks, so Lopez wants Amazon to address workload issues and vehicles ill-equipped for the heat of the Antelope Valley. They should have air conditioning. I know a lot of the step vans have broken ACs. And even like very few of them that do have ACs, it's just not enough. It gets like blistering hot out here and you got to press your face up against the air vent just to feel it. The union's taken up Amazon's cancellation of its BTS contract with the National Labor Relations Board. Neither company responded to requests for comment. For the California Report, I'm Rachel Myro. In Half Moon Bay, two mushroom farms, where mass shootings occurred back in January, have been cited by the state's Workplace Safety Agency. Cal OSHA says it found multiple health and safety violations at Concord Farms and California Terra Gardens. Among the violations, failure to address previous incidents of workplace violence, failure to establish safety plans that evaluated the threat of violence, and failure to train workers in a language they understand. There were also housing violations. Cal OSHA is proposing more than $165,000 in fines for the farms. Support for the California Report comes from Stanford Medicine, comprising its School of Medicine and Adult and Children's Health Systems, working together to advance knowledge and improve lives. StanfordMedicine.org. Hint, fruit-infused water with no sugar or diet sweeteners with more than 25 flavors, including watermelon and pineapple, in stores or delivered from HintWater.com. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, through the Schmidt Family Foundation, working together to create a just world where all people have access to renewable energy, clean air and water, and healthy food. On the web at theschmidt.org. What happens when an elected official essentially becomes homeless because of the cost of California housing? In the small Ventura County town of Ojai, a council member has fought to keep her seat because she can't find permanent housing she can afford that's in her district. Cal Matters reporter Alexi Kosef went to the community to hear council member Sousa Francina's story firsthand. Alexi joins us now to share more. So who is Sousa Francina and how did she end up in this situation? So Sousa Francina is a three-term council member in Ojai. She moved to Ojai 
from Holland as a child with her family and has lived there for almost 70 years. And she, about 18 months ago, lost her rental housing. So she's found herself in this precarious political situation. So Francine has been at risk of losing her city council seat because she doesn't have a permanent residence in her council district. Tell us more about that. That's right. So there is this law that elected officials of district-based jurisdictions need to be living in those districts. I mean, it's it's a pretty logical uh, representation issue. And after Sousa, you know, lost her housing, she has not been able to find affordable housing in her district that's for rent, that accepts dogs. She has two of them. And so she went to go live in a room above a friend's garage, which is across town. And somebody, not clear who, reported her to the Ventura County Grand Jury. They did an investigation and they issued a report last month that basically said, according to their reading of the law, she vacated her seat because she did not find and reestablish residency in her own district within 30 days of losing that, that home. And so they should replace her. They should kick her off the council and hold a special election or appoint a replacement. So, Alexi, this also seems to be a story about who's allowed to have power and who isn't in California, kind of contingent on their housing situation, right? Absolutely. I mean, this shows how vulnerable renters are to losing that access to political power because their housing situations just aren't as stable as they are for homeowners. And we're seeing this on a statewide level, too. There's only five legislators in the state legislature who are renters out of 120, you know, whereas there are actually several dozen legislators who are landlords. Um, I mean, so you can sort of see there's this just imbalance of power in terms of who really has access to that decision making in, in California. And that's something that Sousa said was an important reason for her that she's been fighting to keep her seat. Um, she told me a little bit more about that. I think it's very important that we have renters in decision-making uh, positions. To be able to uh, remove somebody from their seat because they they can't afford a $5,000 rental, that is immoral and unethical. That is just plain wrong. Are there any other elected officials in her situation? I went a couple weeks ago to a city council meeting where... One of the people who came to speak in support of Sousa was Liz Campos. She's a city council member in the neighboring city of Ventura, and she also lost her home and became homeless last fall. And in order to maintain her residency so that she could run for the city council there, she's been living in a van that's parked in the driveway of a friend who lives in her district. So this is maybe becoming the new reality for, for California, that even those who are seeking to represent and make change in their communities are being pushed out of those same communities. Hmm. All right. We have been speaking to Alexi Kosef, who covers the state capitol for Cal Matters. Alexi, thanks so much for joining us on the California Report. Thank you for having me on. And some more information. Ojai City Council is weighing an amended ordinance that would allow council members who lose their housing through no fault of their own to keep their seats until the end of their terms. 
if that ordinance is passed, Francina could hold on to her seat through 2024. And finally, call it the house that Snoopy built, a Sonoma County home that Peanuts comic strip creator Charles Schultz lived in in the 1960s and 70s is up for sale. The asking price is just under $4 million. The property includes the studio where Schultz worked, drawing and giving voice to such characters as Charlie Brown, Lucy, Linus, and of course, the world's most famous fictional spotted beagle. And that is the California Report for Tuesday, June 27th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm your host, Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great day, and let's talk tomorrow. Let's take a look at today's local news. According to the Union of Grass Valley, the Nevada County Planning Commission will present results of a study focused on safety and noise elements within Nevada City during a public meeting on Thursday, June 29th. The 5.30 p.m. meeting will convene at City Hall at 317 Broad Street in downtown Nevada City. The City of Nevada City began a process to develop a climate adaptation and public safety element as part of their general plan regarding safety and noise elements. The process began with a public workshop in July of 2021, followed by a public survey that ended in September of 2021. The results of the 2021 workshop and survey helped guide the development of the climate adaptation and public safety element process. The consultant team will present the draft environmental review and public input process as well as the components of the draft plan at Thursday's meeting. In addition, the consultant team and city staff will be available to answer questions from the public. However, nothing will be adopted or approved at this meeting. The meeting is intended to solicit public feedback prior to the climate adaption and public safety element being considered for recommendation by the Planning Commission in July and for adoption by the City Council in August. The Sacramento Bee reports that early yesterday morning a man known as the Pillowcase Rapist, a sex offender who terrorized Sacramento in the 1980s, was arrested in Bakersfield on suspicion of kidnapping. Officers with the Bakersfield Police Department arrested Ronald Mark Fieldmeyer, now 71, on one count of kidnapping and booked him into the Kern County Sheriff's Office Central Receiving Facility just before 5 a.m. Feldmeyer was convicted in 1986 of raping four women. He would break into the apartments of young women during early morning hours, wrap a pillowcase around their faces to keep them from seeing him, and then sexually assault them. That's according to authorities and court testimony. He was released from state prison custody in 2019 after serving more than 30 years of his original 67-year prison sentence. And Kern Superior Court records show that less than a year after being released, he was arrested on suspicion of failure to register as a sex offender. That felony case remains ongoing. But in the meantime, Feldmeyer is due to appear in court Wednesday afternoon, with the bail set at $100,000. Now on to your local forecast from the National Weather Service. The Sacramento region is bracing for the first triple-digit summer heat wave this week. But first, the Sierra could see isolated thunderstorms. This evening, we'll see the last of the widespread risk of thunderstorms for the week, according to Weather Service meteorologist Sarah Perdue. And Craig Shoemaker, a meteorologist with the National Weather Service in Sacramento, says, quote, There's a reasonable chance Grass Valley will have its first 100-degree day on Saturday. We are only forecasting 99, but it's trending hot air, so there's a reasonable chance, and if not, Sunday. For those in Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight mostly clear with a low around 57 degrees. 
Wednesday, sunny with a high near 85. Wednesday night will be clear with a low around 61 degrees. For Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight mostly clear with a low around 43. Wednesday, the possibility of scattered showers and thunderstorms after 11 a.m., mostly sunny with a high near 72. Wednesday night, isolated showers and thunderstorms before 11 p.m., mostly clear with a low around 45 degrees. And in Sacramento and Woodland, tonight mostly clear with a low around 58. Thursday, sunny with a high near 92 degrees. Thursday night will be clear with a low around 60. The National Weather Service has released an excessive heat watch that's in effect from Friday, June 30th at 11 a.m. to Sunday, July 2nd at 11 a.m. Starting Friday morning to Sunday evening, dangerously hot conditions with temperatures ranging from 105 to 110 degrees will be possible, especially in the Sacramento Valley, northern San Joaquin Valley, from mountain southwestern Shasta County to western Calusa County, and the northeast foothills, Sacramento Valley, and Motherlode counties. The notice reports that extreme heat will significantly increase the potential for heat-related illnesses, particularly for those working or participating in outdoor activities. Hottest temperatures are expected to occur on Saturday, with lingering major heat risk across the central and northern Sacramento Valley on Sunday. And, unfortunately, area waterways will continue to run cold and fast, creating dangerous conditions for anyone seeking relief in rivers and lakes. It's recommended that everyone still follows the one-line advice from county officials across the state, stay out, stay alive. Currently, there are no red flag warnings or fire weather watches. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. The Idaho-Maryland mine project has long been a hot topic. In early May, after two days and close to nine hours of public comment, the Nevada County Planning Commission voted unanimously to not recommend approval of the Rise Grass Valley project. Up ahead, KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza speaks with Nevada County's Public Information Officer, Taylor Wolf, about the next step in the decision-making process. On June 20th, Nevada County's Board of Supervisors issued a save-the-date The Board of Supervisors will be holding a public hearing for the Idaho-Maryland Mine Project, and that's scheduled for October 2nd and 3rd. Joining me now is Nevada County's Public Information Officer, Taylor Wolf. Hi, Taylor. Hi, Claudio. Thanks so much for having me on. Thank you. So, Taylor, I thought that maybe we could talk about what that public hearing is and inform the public about what they can expect. It's scheduled for October 2nd and 3rd. The board is actually going to issue a formal notice of the public hearing, right? That is correct. So similar uh, to any public hearing we have, uh, there is a formal notice of public hearing for special meetings. This includes special meetings of the Board of Supervisors. And in this case, it's going to be a public hearing for the Idaho-Maryland Mine Rise Grass Valley Project. And like you said, Claudio, that is scheduled for October 2nd and 3rd. Um, We are letting people know of this date so they can save it right now. Uh, It is going to be at the Eric Rood Administration Center in our board chambers. That's at 950 Maidu Avenue in Nevada City. And we have a lot of information online for folks. Uh, The final environmental impact report 
did come out before our last planning commission public hearing, the previous step in this process. So we still have those documents available to view online at nevadacountyca.gov slash IMMRISE and also printed copies. It is quite a large document available at our planning department, the Madeline Helling Library in Nevada City, and the Grass Valley Library. So again, October 2nd and 3rd is just to save the date for the Board of Supervisors public hearing for this Idaho-Maryland mine project. Now, there was a big two-day hearing recently. That was the Planning Commission. Explain that part to me. So they decided on whether or not to recommend the project to the Board of Supervisors or not, right? That is exactly right. So our planning commissioners at Nevada County are appointed by our Board of Supervisors. And as is typical with any planning process such as this one, they will also hold a public hearing before an item comes to the Board of Supervisors. Uh, That did happen in early May. They review and make a recommendation on these planning projects before they come to the Board of Supervisors. Um, So the Planning Commission, again, they held their public hearing in early May. They did make a recommendation to the Board of Supervisors. That recommendation was to deny the proposed Idaho-Maryland mine project. And on October 2nd and 3rd, the project will be coming before the Board of Supervisors for their public hearing on the proposed Idaho-Maryland mine project. Now, Taylor, that is quite a bit in the future, and certainly we we can't know what decision the Board of Supervisors will make, but maybe you can talk about what a potential outcome could be. Maybe another way to ask is, will that meeting on October 2nd and 3rd be the final meeting regarding the potential reopening of the Idaho-Maryland mine? So the public hearing with the Board of Supervisors on October 2nd and 3rd is is really the next step in the process. And ultimately, um, at the end of this process, the Board of Supervisors will be making the final decision on the proposed Idaho-Maryland mine project. So that could be October 2nd or 3rd. Ultimately, you know, this public hearing, what that means is it provides an opportunity for the public to provide public comment in front of the Board of Supervisors, that decision-making body. Of course, uh, we heard public comment at the early May Planning Commission public hearing as well. Uh, There has been a lot of submitted written public comment to and through the environmental impact process as well. So this Board of Supervisors public hearing is one of those final steps in the planning process before the Board of Supervisors makes that final decision on the project. As you mentioned, this is, this is an opportunity for the public to have their voice heard on record. It is a while away. Is there a way for people who are interested in keeping track of of this hearing, is there a way for them to be updated? Do they need to go to a website? Is there any, any sort of updating mechanism? Yeah, great question, Claudio. Um, our recommendation is that residents who are wanting to stay up to date on the 
project and the county's planning process that they go to our website at nevadacountyca.gov slash IMMRISE. So IMM stands for Idaho, Maryland, Mines, RISE. And on there, folks can sign up and subscribe for email alerts. Uh, we will continue to uh, share with the community when that formal notice of public hearing for this Board of Supervisors meeting on October 2nd and 3rd comes out. That will be in early September, as that formal notice usually comes a month in advance. Um, that's something we'll be notifying folks of through this email listserv on our website. Um, of course, different ways to submit co public comment or participate, and more information and details, such as start time of the public hearing on October 2nd and 3rd, as we get closer to that meeting date. But again, um, for residents who are interested in learning more, highly encourage you to go to our website, nevadacountyca.gov slash IMMRISE. Not only can you subscribe for updates, but you can also find a full timeline of the many steps in the process that have happened so far. You can find that final environmental impact report. You can find all the different formal notices for past meetings we've had and all those project documents. So, uh, an abundance of information for folks trying to learn about the planning process and stay up to date. I've been talking with Nevada County Public Information Officer Taylor Wolf. We've been talking about the Board of Supervisors planned public hearing for the Idaho Maryland Mine Project that's scheduled at this point for October 2nd and 3rd. Taylor, thanks so much for your time. Thank you, Claudio. That's our newscast for Tuesday, June 27th. Visit us online at kvmr.org or subscribe to the KVMR News Podcast to hear more. You can connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. KVMR gets support from generous listeners like you and South Yuba Club, offering over 100 classes weekly, including cycling, yoga, swim, pickleball, senior classes, and more. Located in Grass Valley at 130 West Berry Hill Drive, more information online at southyubaclub.com. Support for KVMR's Future of Radio project comes from AJA Video Systems, empowering the next generation of local journalists and broadcasters. A special thanks to KVMR's Julia Jem for her help with today's evening newscast. As always, thanks for tuning in. I'm Kelly Reese, signing off. Join us Wednesday at 6 for another edition of the KVMR Evening News.